Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Summer is coming. And while there's lots of exciting things, like maybe your kids are going to be away from you for a little while, which is very lovely for me, Car, I know you have different setups in your family. There's also a lot for us to think about to prepare our kids for the summer, emotionally, physically, logistically. So today is all about what we need to do to prepare them, what we need to help them pack, what we need to teach them, what we need to talk about as we prepare for day camps, sleepaway camps, summer programs, first jobs, first loves, all of those things. Where do you want to start? All of those things (laughs) in 35 minutes. (laughs) Just go, Vanessa. I think we... we Are you making fun of me? You're making fun of me. I think we should start with a quick overview of what we're going to cover so that People who are listening have a sense of the frame that we're using in terms of what we think about where puberty and summer intersect. And so they can fast forward if we're talking about stuff they're not interested in. Yes. And so that they can be very excited to cover some of the things that they didn't even realize they needed to think about as they head into summer. So some of the things that come up all the time in our workshops, on DMs, when people call us, flag us down and walking down the street, (laughs) 
packing for camp and packing for programs when you go away. So everything from materials that you need to have in your bag to manage physical and and biological processes like getting your period, for instance, to preparing for sexual experiences while you're away. So we're going to cover that. And then we're also going to cover dynamics a little bit, especially between adults and kids when kids are not away and yet they have all the time in the world to want to lean into their independence, shall we say, over the summer. And that how, was very diplomatic you like of that? you. Yeah. And so how to manage that. So we're gonna we're gonna sort of cover the gamut from whether your kid is physically apart from you or is under your roof and you're trying to figure out how do I handle this, particularly in light of the fact that for the past couple of summers, the the COVID of it all changed those dynamics. And this summer feels like a return to a little more normalcy, which has a lot of adults feeling like they're getting back on the bike. So let's start there because our kids are a chronological age, but they're not necessarily developmentally that age because of COVID, because of Zoom school and time at home and missed experiences that would have built certain skills and knowledge and abilities. In other words, your eighth grader might be behaving like you would anticipate a sixth grader Correct. to behave. Or your high school junior might be behaving more like a kid who's just graduating from middle school, just because they have not had that world of experience. They haven't built those muscles. The other complicating fact is that because puberty starts up to two years earlier than it used to, our 12-year-olds might look like 16-year-olds. And so not only are they acting even younger than they actually are, but they actually look even older than we expect them to. And so the incongruity of how they look and how they behave and what grade they're in is all over the map. A guiding principle should be for all of us that we cannot assume our kids know any of this stuff. We can't assume they're going to know about some of the consent conversations we're going to have. They can't assume we're going to, they're going to know about some of the conversations about friendship dynamics or adult child dynamics or navigating complicated situations. Or even about how they present themselves in the world during the months of the year where it's really hot, where people wear less clothing and where there's a lot that goes along with that. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of feedback that they get from the world. So this all comes to a head in the summer. In the summer. I want to start with the most important conversation you're going to have with your kid when you send them to camp. Which is that they should wear sunscreen. Okay. I want to start with the (laughs) second most important conversation you're going to have after sunscreen. Cars obsessed with sunscreen, which is issues of consent, safe and unsafe touch, and trusted adults. Anytime you are sending your kid away from you and putting them in the care of another set of adults, whether that's family, friends, relatives, camp counselors, coaches, anything, you need to make sure they understand that their body is their body, that no one has permission to touch their body until they give permission, that if someone touches their body without permission, they are to tell you or another trusted adult that you make a list together of who those trusted adults 
are. Okay, but Vanessa. Yes. My question for you is how does one frame that topic without being a fear monger? How do you bring it up with a kid without making that child afraid about the safety of the experience which they're about to embark on? Because that's one of the reasons why adults are often skittish about this conversation. I think it's about tone rather than content. So I think it doesn't sound like, Cara, I'm telling you this now to save you from any future pain. You never let anybody else touch your body. And if they do, you, you know, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like, hey, Cara, you're going to be away from me. And I just want to make sure that you feel safe and comfortable. And I just want to review a couple things that I know we've talked about before, and you're probably going to roll your eyes, but it's my job to make sure I've covered it. And I want to make sure you know that you're in charge of your body and you determine who touches your body, right? It's actually the same, well, maybe not exactly the same information, but it's basically the same. It's about tone. It's not about creating this like intense urgency. It's kind of relaxed and casual. Hey, I wanted to mention that. I want to make sure you know. And that tone, they pick up on our tone as much as what we actually say. Would it work to also frame it as, we talk about this all the time, even you know when you're at home and when you're going to school, but when you're not living under our roof for a few nights or a few weeks, if something comes up, that makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm a phone call away. Yeah. And also let's talk about who at camp or who on your program you can go to if I'm not available. And if it's their first summer, that's a harder conversation because they don't actually know. And so you might have to do a little bit of homework yourself and call a camp director or program director and say, hey, I'm just prepping my kid for the summer and I want to make sure they know who their resources are, who will be their group leader or who will be, you know, kind of guidance counselor at camp, things like that. And you may need to do a little bit of prep work before you have that conversation with your kid. Especially in circumstances where phones and other communication devices are not allowed. Because one of the great gifts of camp in particular is that generally speaking, Devices are not allowed. We'll talk about that in a few minutes in terms of whether they're allowed, whether or not you should secretly allow your kid to have them. The answer is no. The answer is no, but we're going to talk about why. But that said, it's really important to recognize the circumstances for your own kid or the kid in your life in terms of how they might reach out to you. Because if they're not going to be able to reach out to you, going through that list of people is really, really really important. important. And you want to make sure your kid and you know what the schedule of phone calls, how you can be in touch with each other during the summer, at what points in the summer you will be in touch so that they can manage their expectations. You can't send them off to camp thinking they're going to speak to you every three days if you're only going to have a conversation with them twice over the summer. If visiting day is up in the air at your kid's camp, it's important to let them know what the current plan is, but that the plan might change. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. You know, let's talk then a little bit about mental health, which is a, a broader umbrella than touch and and physical, sort of keeping your physical space. But let's look at the, the mental health umbrella of it all. We are all so attuned to the mental health crisis among kids. How do we balance? making sure that their mental health is okay, 
with not leaning too far into their independence over the summer. In other words, you know, you might have sent a kid away on a summer experience three years ago and felt really comfortable with the no contact with your kid policy. But on the heels of COVID, understanding how much depression and how much anxiety there is right now, maybe that feels uncomfortable to you now. How how do we balance this heading into the summer? So there's two sides of it. If we have a child who's struggling, who is, you know, seeing a therapist, is in treatment for something, has had, you know, major mental health events during their year, please do not keep it from the camp. Please do not keep it from the program. These are professionals who need to know what's going on with your kid. They need to understand not just what the medication protocols are, but give them the full story. Let them know what's going on because the only way your kid can have the best possible experience is if those adults are prepared to care for and support your child while they're not with you. Right. There's so much fear of stigmatization, right? Your People are so afraid that their kid will be labeled. And Mary Pat, who we know well and love and adore, works at a camp in the summer and she said the best thing a family can do is to be upfront and open and honest with me about what's going on with their kids so that I can prepare and be ready and be ready to care for them. And you know what else is interesting? There is an embracing of the language by the kids themselves. The words depression and anxiety are words that kids are now regularly using to describe how they feel or what they're going through. And so there is a solid chance that even if an adult in that kid's life does not disclose, the child will disclose. And frankly, they may disclose sort of too far in one direction. In other words, they're very comfortable with these words. So they may describe themselves in a way that alarms the adults who are taking care of them when the reality is no, things aren't so dire. They're just trying on these words. So I hear this all the time, especially in middle school with kids who are self-defining as depressed and anxious. Or they have an anxiety disorder or Mm -hmm. they're having panic attacks. There's like, it's very in vogue to throw these terms around. And if the parents aren't contextualizing it, it can be a lot for the camp or the program to manage if it's coming only from the kid. And I also would add to that bucket eating disorders because we also know that eating disorders are skyrocketing. And it's really important that a program or camp know in order to help care for your kid. Now, the other scenario is not if your kid is being treated for certain things, but if your kid is walking into a bunk or a trip where the assumption, and it's a very safe assumption, that the kids around them are being treated for stuff. And it's our job in an age-appropriate way to prepare our kids for that eventuality and to say, hey, listen, if you have a friend who shares with you that she's struggling or tells you about his experience in the past year and it feels scary, overwhelming, let's think about how you can handle it and then what adults you can go to to discuss it, right? So my daughter had an experience last summer where someone in her bunk revealed something really personal and private and frightening to her. And I didn't prepare her. I mean, hopefully I've prepared her a little bit and she had to go figure out how to find a grown-up and how to raise it. And in her mind, again, she's at a camp where I don't speak to her. Letters take, you know, 10 days. In her mind, 
in that until I was able to speak to her, she was worried, oh my God, if something happens, she's, I'm the one she told, it's on me, it's my responsibility. And we need to make sure our children know that their friends who are struggling with very serious issues, our kids are not their carers, their healthcare providers, they are loving friends, but that it's an adult's job to care for a kid. And that's a conversation we can have with young kids, right? If our eight-year-old has a friend who gashes their leg open, our eight-year-old is not responsible for sewing up the stitches in that friend's leg. If our 14-year-old has a friend who's struggling with an eating disorder, it's not their job to treat their friend's eating disorder. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their umbras. It's why we say that the umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info, at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. Remember to subscribe. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. So see you then. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. 
There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. I'm going to give the flip scenario as well, because I think it's really important to understand the concept of bystander versus upstander Mm -hmm. in the context of summer and summer programs. So while I completely agree that it is not the job of one child to be the caretaker, especially the mental health caretaker of another child, it is very important for kids to recognize what's going on around them and to stand up for other kids, which is hard. So for people, especially people with older kids, teenagers, whether it's a camp setting, a tour, a pre-college study program, whatever the scenario is, chances are that there will be something that goes on where your kid is caught struggling with, do I say anything? And for so long, I think the mantra was, if you just stay out of it, it keeps you safe. But I think we understand now 
um, how important it is to be an upstander and not just be a bystander and pretend something's not happening. So for the older kids who are going away to emphasize for them that the same rules that they are learning at school, how to stand up for someone, how to advocate for someone, how to connect with someone and make sure that they have the help they need, those same rules apply when you're away. And it sounds not dissimilar to the conversation you have with your kids, you know, during the year, but the problem is you're not there. So they can't come home at the end of the day and say, you know what, I'm worried about so-and-so and I don't know who at camp to talk to. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. We need to prepare them. We need to do some legwork ahead of time. We need to role play with them. Hey, what would you do this summer if one of your friends seems to be having a hard time? Who would you go to? What does that sound like? Right? It's just as important, if not more important than packing the name tag socks and underwear. It might be a little more important. Um, it's more important. I was being slightly <laughs> facetious. So those are conversations that we want to have. Now, for the teenagers who are in those scenarios, the vast majority of them will be not at camps with no cell phone policy, but they will be off doing things where they are probably more able to connect with us. Yes. And it's really fair to say to them, just like at home during the school year, we are a text or a call away yep. if you need a little guidance. Because remember the teenage brain, right? So you, it's completely turned on by peer influence. And so sometimes what can happen when you're on a program that's packed with young people who you're just getting to know and they're all those social dynamics is that some bad decision-making happens. And suddenly being the upstander is not, not only is it not easy, it's going to put you in a tricky position socially and emotionally. And so how do you handle that as a kid? And sometimes having the touch point of a parent is important or a, an adult in their life who's a, a really great positive role model and influence. Let's move to the physical stuff, the stuff that you need to have. Literally. Literally the stuff that you need to have ready to go in the summer duffel bag. Two of the biggest things that we talk about often are bras and period packs. And people will say to me, you know, my daughter wants to bring bras to camp, but like she's nowhere near needing a bra. And needing is a is a very subjective term. If she wants to pack bras, if she wants to get a couple of umbras to take with her to camp, great. Let her pack them. Let her wear them. She's not doing any harm if she wears them. And if it makes her feel good, particularly if everyone else has started to develop and has breasts and she's like one of the last ones, if it makes her feel part of the group to wear a bra, terrific. So that's totally fine. I don't know, Car, if you would add to that at all. I think there are really big benefits to throwing something like a bra into a duffel bag. One is that if we don't allow it, it stigmatizes the wearing of it. And as you said, it's very, it's very subjective whether someone needs a bra. In fact, there are a lot of people in the world who choose never to wear bras, and that's great. But at a moment where a lot of younger people are choosing to wear them or to try them, if you've said to your kid, no, it sets up a complicated dynamic around why. And so from a health perspective, so long as the garment does not have wires, it is 
absolutely fine to put something into the bag that your kid can wear. I will say my two cents on bras and one of the reasons why we started Uma in the first place and we make bras that are breathable is that sports bras are very tight and constrictive. There's no data on this, but I'm convinced that in the next five to 10 years, we will start seeing studies that show that if you put on a really binding bra and the breasts are trying to grow through that really tight garment, that's why breasts will develop either dense tissue or cysts. I really believe that we are seeing this huge surge in dense breast tissue and cystic breast disease, partly because of the way that we are binding our breasts, but no data yet. So I can't say that on the science side. I can just say it on the anecdotal side. So to that end, if you're trying to figure out what to get your kid, something that provides some coverage, but isn't going to just push them in and and stick to their skin? And is it made of synthetic materials that's going to hold all their body odor? You know, be mindful when you choose, which is, which is really important. The other is bras at this age, then the tween and teen years, also double as tops. So many of the garments that kids wear are garments that they feel really comfortable parading around in, in front of their friends in the cabin. They might feel embarrassed without the top on, but feel really comfortable with it on. We're not talking about the the sort of classic old style bra bra. It's more of a camisole style, um, what some kids would call a half top. So there are a lot of benefits to just throwing it in the bag and letting them try. And the flip side is we often hear from people whose daughters have developed breasts, but they don't want to wear bras. Mm -hmm. They're not comfortable. They feel self-conscious. They just don't care. I mean, there's lots of reasons why kids who've developed breasts don't want to wear bras. For that child also, just throw some stuff in and just have it there as an option. I know of kids who went to camp not wanting to wear bras at all and came home from camp saying, oh, I'm really glad you know, my mom packed those because it was actually really useful. And how many kids do you know who went to camp with about six or seven pairs of brand new socks? And when the duffel bag comes back at the end of the summer, there are still six or seven pairs of brand new socks at the bottom. And you go, what, what, what did, socks you wear? did you wear? And, you know, and then you get so, the eight pairs of the friend socks <laughs> who ended up in the duffel. Exactly. So just because you put it in there doesn't mean they will wear it or have to wear it. And you don't need to interrogate them. Your letters to them don't have to be, have you worn the bra yet that I sent you with? You just nonchalant, chill, casual, just throw it in. Make sure they know it's there, right? You want to make sure they know everything that's in their bag. Which is especially important for period products. Yes. So let's talk about period products for a second, because there are kids who have gotten their period. And for them, they will want to know there is a supply. (laughs) The first summer after my daughter got her period for the first time, I I feel like half the duffel was period products. (laughs) And it it was, she just wanted to know that she and everyone in the bunk were covered. And it was like, okay, how many boxes of, you know, it's so funny. But having period products that will work for that kid and make that kid feel comfortable. What I mean by that is pads, when pads are the things that are desired, Tampons, when tampons are the things that are desired, period underwear, when that's what's desired. Menstrual cups in camp situations, not that common, but maybe for your kid, a menstrual cup. 
overnight products, which look different, you know, overnight pads versus daytime pads. Like they're just lots of iterations and it's important to have those at the ready. It's especially important for a kid who has not yet gotten a period for that child having a conversation around, hey, I'm just throwing these things in here in case. And here's what it might look like when you get a period for the first time. And here are the people who you can go talk to, but here are the things you can do. And I I get as granular as saying, if you have a period for the first time and you don't have a place to wash the underpants where you had the period for the first time and you're really embarrassed and you don't know what to do, it is fine if you throw that pair of underwear away. No one is going to be counting the number of underwear that you come back with. And so if that's the strategy you need to use, A-OK. And everything you pack, every period product item, you want to sit down and show them how to use all of it. You don't want to pack stuff and then have them have no idea what it is or how to use it. And you can do it with everyone in your house. It doesn't have to be a secret private thing. And by the way, if your kid looks like they're two years away from getting their period and they say, hey, mom, I think I should, you know, pack a period pack, pack a period pack. Like who cares? There's no problem with it. I bought my daughter. You might be wrong. Right. You also might be wrong. But I bought my daughter period underwear years before she ever got her period because she wanted to have them. And then we just had them around. And by the time she got her period, we actually, they were too small and they didn't fit her. But if you're wondering, the other thing is if you have a younger kid where other people aren't yet getting their period, but you think your kid could very potentially get it, don't put everything in a Ziploc bag. Get them a non-see-through bag. Herschel has like a big dob kit. I got my daughter one in lavender and I packed a bunch of stuff in there so that if she was the only one in the bunk who was getting her period and no one was talking about it and she felt self-conscious about it, she could easily take it to the bathroom and it was no big deal. I want to go back to what you said earlier. You want to talk to your kid about who they can go to if they get their period, if it stings when they pee, if their vulva is really itchy and maybe they have a yeast infection. You want to go through this stuff because these are the kinds of things kids will suffer in silence if we don't make it clear that it's great for them to go find an adult. The camp nurse, the camp doctor, a trusted counselor, Make sure that they know it not only should they, it's wonderful if they go tell someone. That's right. Now, let's go to the older teen who, you know, the period products, yeah, okay, those are packed, whatever. Birth control. Mm -hmm. So, Vanessa, what's your approach for guiding adults on how to manage birth control for a kid who's going away who may or may not be known to be sexually active by that adult. You may not know if your kid is having sex or not, but if you have, you know, a 15-year-old living in your house, it's no problem, i.e. it's not a bad idea to say to them, hey, you know what? You're going away this summer. You may meet someone who you feel really close to. You may decide that you want to be intimate with them. Or you may not. Okay, hold up, because people are freaking out that you said 15. But I just want to say, your point is, 
You're having a conversation, hopefully, in front of a scenario. You're getting ahead of the scenario. You got it. It's so, so important for people to realize that information and education does not mean that you're condoning a behavior. You're just giving the kid in your life information and education. And the more information they have, the safer they can keep themselves. Without information, they can't keep themselves safe. And they can't keep their partner safe. For instance, if I were to have that conversation with a 15-year-old, for me, it might sound something like, we haven't talked about you being sexually active. And unless I'm missing something major, I don't think you're sexually active. And then you wait, right? Hoping they're going to insert some information. (laughs) Exactly. But we're going to start having this conversation about birth control now And then we're going to keep having this conversation for many years to come. And at some point, it's going to be relevant to you. That is a way of non-judgmentally introducing the concept of birth control and STI prevention, which is a huge piece of this. It's not just pregnancy prevention. It's um, sexually transmitted infection prevention. Both topics are very, very important. And just because they're not living under your roof doesn't mean you don't have to deal with it. And, you know, Cara and I have different styles and approaches. Mine is slightly more like... Hey, dude. Hey, hey dude. (laughs) Hey, buddy. No, I don't call them buddy after a certain age. But like you could say to your kid, hey, you're going away this summer. Do you think it's a good idea to get some condoms? Or you're going to be gone for a semester abroad. You know, maybe it's a good idea to think about birth control. Again, we're not saying, are you having sex? Tell me who you're having sex with. And we're not saying, you're never going to have sex. You're going to stay my baby forever. And we're not saying, have sex. We're not saying, have sex. And we're not, we're not saying, I know you're going to fall in love and have lots of sex this summer, right? It's just it's- putting it out there, floating it for the kid to say, oh, This is something I can be in conversation with my parent about, my adult about, and like it's open and I can choose to respond. I can choose not to respond, but this is not a closed door issue. This is an open door issue. And for the rest of my life, it's a good thing for me to always be prepared with birth control and STI protection. And I want to make sure to the same thing goes with birth control contraception as it does with period packs, which is make sure that your kid knows how to use whatever you're providing to them. So if it's condoms, make sure they know how to use, how to put on a condom or how to put a condom on someone else. If it's birth control, one of our interns talked about not understanding how to take her birth control and doing it wrong for a period of time because... She was kind of old enough where the adults assumed she knew how to do it, but she was young enough to actually not know how to do it properly. So this makes me think about the one thing that you probably shouldn't pack for camp, especially. You know, we're talking about all the shoulds and the bag, the duffel's getting really full. (laughs) There's like 18 duffels. (laughs) Right, exactly. But there's one thing, and we mentioned it earlier, that I just want to circle back to which is phones. And the reason I bring it up in the context of a conversation around sex is that it is not uncommon for us to get emails, calls, DMs about kids who have gone particularly to camps, which are often um, device-free environments. And 
the parent hears either on visitor's day or at the end of the summer when the kid comes home, everyone had a phone. And then the second half of the sentence, which is always a bombshell for the parents, is, and people were watching porn in the bunk. And so I do want to talk about that decision, whether or not to send your kid with a device that the program asks that they not come with. And can I just add something? If you are so concerned about your child that you need to be in touch with them constantly and you're sneaking a phone for them to use to be in touch with you, you need to think long and hard about whether you should be sending your kid away at all. If you cannot handle or you believe your child cannot handle being away from you without being able to be constantly in touch with you, maybe this is not the summer to send them away. And you know, it's complicated because for every story that I've heard where I've thought that, and it's been a flag, I've heard another story where a parent says, you know, I just want my kid to have it in case of emergency. And I will tell you in some number of these cases, the kid has used it to say, hey, mom, dad, trusted adult, I tried going to the counselor. I tried going to the director. No one will listen to me and I'm feeling uncomfortable or unsafe in this environment. So it's not to say that there aren't examples when it's helpful for kids to be able to be in contact with you, but I think we've become very, very phone dependent, device dependent. You know, you and I were doing uh, a parenting talk recently when two parents were talking about their 12-year-olds and how they pick their 12-year-olds up from school. And one said, well, mine has a phone, so she texts me. And the other said, well, mine's 12 and I've chosen not to give her a phone. Why? You know, I'm sort of curious. And the one who said, my kid texts me, described that that helped her with pickup logistics. At the end of the school day, the kid could text where they are and then they could meet up. Neither one judged what the other was doing, but we have become a society that is very dependent upon these devices to stay in quick, rapid-fire touch with one another. And summer is a really great time to take a break from that. My kids have come home and said how great it felt to be unplugged at camp and to be away from their devices. And then they promptly get on the Xbox. They say say that (laughs) while on their devices. But I think it's great. It's really important for our kids in a number of ways to be off their devices. And if you are worried about your kid or want your kid just to know how to be in touch with you, walk through with them how they can be in touch with you, the various ways. My daughter wrote a letter to me last summer and said, I need my mom to see this immediately. Can you take a picture of it and email it to her? So that was one way, right? So what are other ways that if our kids really need to be in touch with us, they know how to do that, who to go to, who to talk to. Again, that might involve calling a camp director and saying, hey, my kid and I have this plan. I need your assurances that if they come to you and want to execute on that plan, you're going to let it happen. And if you choose to send your kid with a device, I know people who, for instance, their diabetes management is managed through an app on their phone. Right. It's, you know, it becomes a matter of health and safety. Then just take the other apps off and say, okay, then this is our blood sugar monitoring device for the summer, but let's get everything else off so that we can give you a break. So there are ways to have a device and to choose to limit your use of that device. 
take the social media apps off the device for the summer if everyone agrees that the summer is an opportunity to take a break from social media? We've covered a lot of ground. By the way, I think we got totally through the list. Incredible. It's I know. like a packing list. I know. It's like, a, which makes me feel so good. I love packing lists. <laughs> check, They're check, like check, my check. favorite crossing off my list. So to wrap up, you want to make sure, this is the the practical puberty takeaway. You want to make sure you cover both the emotional stuff and the logistical stuff. For some people, covering the emotional stuff is easier. For some people, covering the logistical stuff is easier. And you can say to your kid, hey, let's make a list of what we need to get done before the summer. And let's think about who we need to talk to and what we need to plan and what we need to go over because it would be really helpful for you to know what's on your kid's mind, what they're worrying about, what they're struggling with. Are they thinking about bras or condoms or periods or any of that stuff? Or are they thinking about none of it and just their cleats and shin guards? So what I'm hearing is that summer is a great excuse to jumpstart a bunch of conversations that apply to year-round life. So use the excuse, use the packing list, use the going away, and then you're going to have another opportunity at the end of the summer when they go back to school. To unpack, literally and figuratively. Did you like that, Cara? I like that. That's very punny. <laughs> Thanks, Cara. Bye, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.